Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, I was just talking with Herrick, and he's such a he's such a great pastor, guys. Herrick Berga, um, and he said something that I think is absolutely true. Um, what the team was describing. I think every single one of them described, like, frankly, encountering God through people in ways, thanks, baby, in ways that are transformative, in ways that are influential, in ways that are wonderful and just beautiful, okay? Hear me say this before I even jump into the message. That doesn't require getting on an airplane. Um, That is available to you here and now. Um, There are, there are, thank God, there are a plethora of healthy churches, not just in our valley, in Southern California. So wherever you are, like you can experience that on the regular and it's gonna happen through deep, integrated, intentional relationships with the family of God, okay? If you haven't signed up for a gospel community, we're having an intro one. Um, I think we're gonna have to close the signups. We've got, yeah, <laughs> but either way, I think today's the last day we're gonna have signups. If you haven't, basically our church, I, I I know I said this already, but this is not church. This is the church gathered for a purpose to rehearse the gospel, hear the gospel preach, respond to the goodness of God. Um, We'll be able to have some ministry time in a little bit. All that's great. It's important. But what's equally, if not more important, is the regular day-to-day being known and knowing the people in your life or the people part of the family of God. So gospel community is available to you. Please sign up. This is not a church that like has them as though they're like a supplemental thing. This is a church of gospel communities. Okay. So just want to throw it out there. You can sign up. Um, my, myself and my wife are leading one. Herrick is leading the other for the intro ones. Many of you are already in gospel community, loving it. Wonderful, great fan into flame, <laughs> the spiritual gifts that God's given you um, for the mutual encouragement. Okay. So that being said, grab your Bibles. We're going to be back in John chapter eight this morning. We are uh, currently in the middle of a series that we're titled, that we titled Jesus is, and we're going all through the gospel according to the apostle John, probably my favorite book in the Bible. Um, uh, probably I, I said that like Uh, with intentionality, it really is probably my favorite book. There's a lot, but um, the reason that we're going through uh, the gospel of John is because John is very clear on why he wrote it. He wrote it so that the reader would believe that Jesus is the savior of the world, that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one, the savior, okay? So we wanna, the reason that we're doing this is we wanna be intentional as we go through scripture because we want, um, we don't want to, like the, the, the beliefs that we start to harbor about Jesus, we, want, we don't want those beliefs to be informed by popular opinion, um, even by tradition. I remember uh, early on in following Jesus, I remember uh, uh, other Christians telling me things like, you know, like, God helps those who help themselves. And I'm like, and I'm like yeah, okay, God helps those who help themselves. Like, and then I realized I thought in the Bible. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what, the popular opinion tradition can sometimes be misinformed. We don't want to be informed by popular opinion on who Jesus is. We don't want to be informed by like our feelings and emotions, although sometimes those can be incredible gifts. Sometimes they can actually lead us astray. We don't want to be informed with what feels good or what's comfortable. We want to be informed by the word of God on who Jesus is. Make sense? That's why we're going through this series. So this morning, I want to kick things off and I'll try to slow down. I'm like, I'm like rushing because I see the clock and I'm like, I don't want to go too long, but I want to ask you a question. Just today, how many choices do you think you've made? Like, think about it. 
Thankfully, all of us are wearing clothes in the room. That's one. What else? I just think about how many choices you've made today and then compound that. Think about how many choices you've made this week, this month, this year, your whole life. Um, Have you ever thought about why you make the choices that you do? That's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, so John chapter 8. We've been in John chapter 8 for like four weeks or something. Uh, Before we jump in, I'm going to pray for us, okay? Will you join me? Father, thank you for your grace that covers us. Um, Holy Spirit, my prayer this morning is simple, that you would uh, help me to honor these precious men and women. I don't want to do anything that gets in the way of what you want to accomplish. That's my prayer whenever I have the privilege of opening the scriptures um, with your children, myself included. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd point us to Jesus. Um, that's, that's what you're all about. So I know that your answer to that prayer is yes, <laughs> thankfully, but help us, help us see Jesus more clearly. And in light of seeing Jesus more clearly, help us see ourselves more clearly. We love you. We ask these things in your name, amen. Okay, so John chapter eight, uh, we're gonna start in verse 21. This is still in this same kind of portion of, of, the, of John chapter eight where, where all these people, the Jews, Jesus, they are in Jerusalem, primarily at the temple for the festival of booths. We've talked about this. It's this annual week-long festival, festival where the Jews, the people of God, where they would celebrate God's faithfulness and delivering them out of slavery in Egypt, Okay. Hey, guys, don't ever feel weird about kids. We want kids. This is okay. Love you guys. Don't feel awkward, okay? Um, <clears throat> so the festival booths, the Jews are there. They're celebrating God's faithfulness for a week um, about him delivering them out of bondage, out of slavery in Egypt. This is where we pick up, okay? So Jesus having dialogue with these Jews is where we pick up. Uh, John chapter 8, starting in verse 21. Then he, Jesus, said to, this, said to them again, I'm going away. You will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said again, he won't kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. Verse 23, you are from below, he told them. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins, For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Who are you, they questioned. Now, really quickly, when they say who are you, this is not like a genuine inquiry. Like they're not asking like, well, who are you? Like he's already made claims to be both God and the Messiah. Messiah means Savior, Christ, it's all the same, okay? So he's already claimed to be God, claimed to be the Messiah. So when they ask him, who are you, it's not a genuine inquiry, it's a challenge, It's basically the equivalent of like, who do you think you are? Okay? So let's keep going here in verse 25. Who are you, they questioned. Exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning, Jesus told them. I have many things to say and to judge about you, but the one who sent me is true. And what I've heard from him, these things I tell the world. Verse 27. They did not know he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, that's his his crucifixion, okay? When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own. But just as the Father taught me, I say these things. 
The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what pleases him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Okay, so here's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about what it means that Jesus is not of this world and why it's important. Okay? So, you with me? Yes? Great. Look back at verse 23 really quick. I'm going to read it again. Verse 23, you are from below, he told them. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. What does that mean? What does it mean that that Jesus is not of this world? Okay, what he's doing here is he's contrasting two environments. He's contrasting two environments. He's contrasting heaven above versus the world below. Heaven and earth. Heaven above, world below. Um, Regarding this idea of the world, remember, this is the Apostle John writing this, right? Um, In some other writings of the Apostle John, actually, namely 1 John chapter 2, he talks about this idea of the world in a little bit more detail. I'm going to read you two verses out of uh, 1 John chapter 2 that I think will be helpful for today, okay? 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says this, do not love the world, there's that word, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, here we go, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. You see the contrast here again, right? Verse 17, and the world with its lust is passing away, it's perishing, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. That word will is really important. We talk about choices, right? So what John does here is he associates the world with lust. And when he's talking about lust, he's not, it's not exclusively like a sexual thing. It can be part of it, but lust, the, the Greek word here for lust, here's what it means. It means to strongly desire what belongs to someone else. So, essentially, it's selfish in nature, right? To lust, to desire something that doesn't belong to you. It's selfish in nature. So here's the big idea, right? The world, stay with me, the world is associated with selfish desire. In other words, your way, my way. You tracking with me? That's the world, okay? When Jesus says that you are of the world, he's talking to these Jews, he goes, you're of the world. He's saying, you live life pursuing your will. Your will be done. That's the way you you primarily are pursuing your will. And like every day, (laughs) you wake up in the morning and your primary pursuit is your will. And then Jesus says something interesting. He goes, I'm not of the world. You're of the world. Your lusts, your selfish desires, your way, you're primarily living for your way, your will, your choice, right? That's the way you're living. I'm not of this world. <clears throat> he says, I'm, I only say and do what pleases the Father. Did you catch that? I only say and do what pleases the Father. I live my life pursuing God's will, listen to me, exclusively. He says only. That means at all times, exclusively, he's pursuing, he's all about his Father's will. God's way. You tracking with me? Does this make sense? Contrast between of this world, not of this world? Okay, so here's the thing. Our choices, the choices that you and I make every single day, they reveal something. They reveal whose will we're pursuing. 
pretty clearly, actually. So, just to make sure we're clear here, of the world means to primarily pursue my will, okay? Which Jesus says in verse 24 is sin and ultimately leads to death, perishing, destruction. But not of the world means to exclusively pursue God's will. Okay, so we have this idea of of the world primarily pursuing my will. And it's not just my will. There's other things mixed in there. I say primarily because it is primarily. There's sometimes like I pursue my wife's will and sometimes I pursue my kid's will and other people's wills. But primarily me versus exclusively God's. You tracking with me? Yeah, stay with, yeah? Okay. So uh, look back again at verse 21, the very first verse here. I just set off someone's phone. Sorry, guys. Siri. All right, verse 21. This is huge. Then he, Jesus, said to them again, I'm going away. You will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. It says that he said it again. If you've been, if you've been following this series with us, you know what he's getting at here. He's reiterating something that he said to them in chapter 7, these same people. He's saying, he's repeating himself. And listen, whenever you read in the scriptures or whenever it comes out of God's, in the, God in the flesh's mouth, when he repeats himself, it's usually really important, okay? It's really important because the Jews, see, they didn't, it's clear that they didn't understand or else he wouldn't be having to repeat himself. So he's having to repeat himself because they missed it. You guys that are parents in the room, have kids, you know what I'm talking about, they miss it. You have to repeat yourself over and over and over and over again and pray. All right. So he repeats himself. It's really important. And he says, I'm going away. You will look for me and you will die in your sins. Um, this idea of them looking for him. So they're already looking for the Messiah. The Jews, you guys know, uh, you guys know biblical history a little bit. The Jewish people are waiting for their Messiah. They're waiting for their Savior. They're waiting for the Christ. They're, they're anxiously searching, seeking out, waiting for the Savior, okay? And he says, you're gonna keep looking. When I go, you're gonna keep looking. So they're, keep in mind, they're looking. This is something that generation after generation is anxiously anticipating and waiting for. Remember when you're a kid and you're like, dude, Christmas is tomorrow. Like, that's, I'm waiting. That's what they're experiencing, Um. How many of you guys are like me and you hate to be late? Raise your hand high. Wow, a lot of us. How many of you guys, not so much? Okay, so, so people like me have fear of man and the rest of you just don't care about people. So we're all, we all need the blood of Jesus. We're all desperately in need. Okay, so I hate to be late. I'm working on it. I want to honor people, but I also don't want to be a Nazi about structure and control and, right? Um, and I can remember seemingly silly, but whatever. Like I remember a time when I'm I'm trying to get out of the house. I'm trying to leave the house. I have an appointment. I got to get going. And we live like super close to the sun here in Temecula, right? So it's so hot and I can't find my sunglasses. And I'm like, going back and forth, do I need them? Like, I'm going to be outside all day. Like, I need my glasses. So I'm like, I'm trying to find, all over the house, guys. I cannot find them. And I'm trying to, I'm kind of starting to turn into a turd. Do you know what I mean? Where you're like, if, if people just left stuff where I put it, it, I would find it. And like, 
my kids, my wife, it's always their fault. And I'm like, Ebony, like, can I please have help finding my glasses? Where'd you guys put them? I'm, I'm being a jerk. I'm like, Eb, can I please have your help? I'm like, I can't find my sunglasses. And she's like, they're on your head. I'm like, ah. Oh. I know I'm not the only person that's ever happened to. You, you're, just, you're just as messed up as me. Maybe it was the sunglasses. Maybe it was like your car keys or your cell phone. But listen, like, my sunglasses were literally with me. These Jews, they're looking for the Messiah. He was literally with them. But he didn't look the way that they wanted him to. So they dismissed him. He didn't, he didn't look like the savior that they wanted. See, the thing about the Jews at this time, especially the religious leaders, what they wanted was they wanted a political savior. They wanted, so think like you have the Jewish people, right? There were once this mighty, amazing nation. God was just, just delivering them in some spectacular ways. No, one, no other nation could touch them. And then they departed from God's ways and he basically said, okay, do what you want. Generation after generation. And then they get into exile. Just, I don't want to spend too much time there, but at this point in Jewish history, they're occupied by Rome. Rome was the superpower of the day, right? Really quick, like the Bible's not fantasy. It's not myth. It's history. Like this is real. <laughs> okay, so the, the Romans, they occupied the Jewish people. They're oppressive. And so what the Jewish leaders were all about was they're like, we want the Messiah, the Savior, to come because we want to be delivered from, like, we want, we want the Messiah to reestablish Israel as the nation of power that it was. So that's what they're looking for. But Jesus looked very different. They wanted a, they wanted a political Savior, but Jesus came to save them from something much more dangerous than Rome. Jesus came to save them from their sin. My friend, every single morning you and I wake up, one, it's a gift, but two, you're just like me, you're looking for a savior. You're looking for something to deliver you from where you are to where you want to be. Some days it's money, just a little more dollar, just a little more coin, man. Like, then I'll be where I want to be. Maybe it's romance for you. Whether you're single or married, like just a little bit more romance. Maybe it's sex, more of it, better sex, whatever. Maybe it's control. I'm discovering how much I want to control my children and how demonic it is, frankly. Like, I, you know when you're in the store and you see kids going crazy, and you either have one of two reactions, you're like, God, please like, bless that, that mom or that dad right now, or get your act together, like, geez. But I'll be in public places, or even just in our home, and I have children who need Jesus' grace and forgiveness just as much as I do, because they sin, and I find myself wanting to control them, not to like protect them, or to nurture them, or to help them follow Jesus, but because I don't want to be uncomfortable. 
Maybe you're like me. Maybe it's control. Maybe it's not your kids. Maybe it's something else. Something to deliver you from where you are to where you want to be. Friends, what Jesus is saying here is there's only one who's not of this world. There's only one who's not of this world. There's only one who's capable of being a true savior because, hear me say this, false saviors, they can only address your wants. And here's what that means. That means at best, a false savior can bring temporary relief. But Jesus is different, man. God, I love Jesus. Jesus is so different. Jesus, he addresses more than just your wants. He actually addresses your greatest need. Friends, Jesus is the only savior who can deal with your problem of sin and death. I'm not gonna spend any time right now trying to convince you that there's sin in your life and that death is a trajectory of sin. Like, hopefully, we're all in that place. If you're not, I'd love to talk to you about it. But Jesus, he's the only savior who can deal with your problem of sin and death. These Jews that he's talking to, they were looking for a savior who was of the world. They were looking for a savior to give them what they wanted. Are you seeing this? Remember, of the world, selfish desire, my wants, my way. So they're looking for a savior who's of the world. And Jesus is like, I'm not of the world. I'm not primarily concerned with your selfish wants. I'm, I'm about something completely better, deeper, more eternal. Jesus was focused on addressing their need. So here's my appeal to you as your brother. In all humility, don't make the same mistake that these Jews made. Don't be so distracted by your wants that you become blind to what you truly need. Because listen to me, if you do, you'll look to something of the world to save you. And it never can. At best, it's temporary. So, I'll call the band up, I'll close with this. I told you I'd be short. I'm so proud of myself right now. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, I will receive that. Many of you know, I'm like, okay guys, I'm only gonna preach 30 minutes today and it goes an hour and I'm like, sorry. How are we doing on time? Oh, we are. Banging on time, guys. This is great. Okay. Um, so, just got back from Africa, right, recently. Uh, I came home earlier than the team, so I flew home by myself. And uh, they had some fun, and it was great. They had a, some time of rest and relaxation in Africa, which was great. So, I flew home, and my flight home, I had an I usually just try to get home as quick as I can, but whatever, for whatever reason, there was this one flight that was substantially cheaper if I did an eight-hour layover in New York. I love New York City. I think it's the greatest city in the world. So I'm like, yes, I'll do that. I'll be jet-lagged, but I'll walk and pray through the city. It'll be great. So I, uh, <clears throat> it was great. I actually have some, um, some friends and partners in the gospel in the city. Uh, the church of the, it's Actually, their church is called Church of the City. And they actually gave me like a room where I could kind of shower and keep my luggage and stuff for the day. It was great. Such a great situation in the heart of Manhattan. Um, <clears throat> in Hell's Kitchen, actually, which is pretty funny. And, uh, <clears throat> and so, yeah, so I take the train into the city from JFK and I dump off my luggage. I get a shower and I'm like, I have like, I have like five hours to just go get lost in New York. It was awesome. 
I, I just walked through the city praying. It was like, the, it, it was just like, I haven't had a day like that in a long time, to be honest with you. It was wonderful. And so, you know, I got my coffee. I got my slice of pizza throughout the day. You know, I'm like trying to stay hydrated. It was hot, but it was a beautiful day in the city. Just laid on the grass in Central Park for like an hour. It was great. And I'm like, okay, it's time. I got to go back to the room, grab my luggage, hit the train, go back to the airport. So, because uh, it was like finally time to head home. And here's the thing. I got to be honest. This, uh, this trip was hard for me. A lot of fruit. It was amazing. I would still make the same choice to do it, all that stuff. Um, it, it clearly was beneficial to everybody involved, myself included. Um, but I, I've traveled a lot this year, and I don't like to travel this often. So I've just been like homesick, man. Like, I miss my wife. I miss my kids. I miss my church. And so I'm like, okay, it's finally time to head home. You know, I only got like a five-hour five flight, and I'm home. So I grab my luggage, and <clears throat> I'm going to jump on the train to head back to JFK. And I come down the stairs to the platform, and the train, there's a train right there. The doors are open. And you typically have to wait for your train, you know. I like walk straight on, like with my rolling luggage. Just like, could this day have gone any better? I sit down on the train. I've got a seat. Like, I sit down on the train. I got my luggage. I'm headed home. And I pull out my phone. And I'm, like, checking email or something. And I'm, like, <clears throat> I want to see how long. Maybe it's because it's, like, rush hour. I'm, like, I want to see how long it's going to take to get there. Pull it up. And I, you know, a little blue dot on your maps. It's, it's going north. JFK, the airport, is, like, southeast of where I'm. Where I'm. <laughs> so, and I'm, like, I got on the wrong train. <laughs> I got on the wrong train. I'm on the wrong route. Like, I'm in trouble, okay? I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. This is an express train, so it doesn't stop for a long time. Like, I'm in trouble. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? I, I can't stop the train. What? And there's not enough time. So... <laughs> I pull up my phone, you know, I'm like trying to figure out, I'll get to this station, I can do something. There's not a train in New York City that would get me to the airport on time to get home. And I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. So, <laughs> it's kind of funny because it's like, I, there wasn't a train I could have accessed. I, I, I didn't need another train. Like, I needed something else completely. I needed something else entirely. It's funny, like, how often we look to the things of the world, not, not of this world, but the things of this world to save us, but what we need is something else entirely, you know? And, like, this picture is coming to my mind. So I get off the train, finally, at a station, and I'm like, I just call out for help. I'm like, I cannot fix this. There's nothing I can do. If I don't have help, I'm not going to get home. So I call an Uber, <laughs> which don't ever use Uber in New York. It's ridiculously expensive. It's, so I call an Uber. The guy comes, and I explain my situation to him. I'm like, dude, I've got to get to JFK. My flight's at 6. And he looks at me. He's like, your flight's at 6 at JFK? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, hop in. I got you. So I get in the back of this guy's car 
And this is, he's the greatest Uber driver in the history of the world. Like I tipped him massive. I was like, you saved my life. He is, he's like NASCARing Jeff Gordon through the, and you have to understand if you've ever driven in rush hour traffic in New York, it's, we think it's bad in LA. Like at least LA, there's like a highway there. It's just, it's chaos. But this guy's like, got my back. He's breaking laws. Like he's going for it, man. And it was amazing. Like this guy delivered me to the airport. I barely made my flight. And eventually I got home, you know? Friends, all of us, every single person in the room, we've all made really poor choices in our lives. All of us are of the world. We've gotten on the wrong train. We've chosen the route of sin. My way. And we all know, the scriptures are clear, man, the destination of the route of sin is death and destruction and pain. Do you know what it means that Jesus is not of this world? It means that he took a different route, a route of exclusively pursuing God's will. Why? To deliver you to a different destination than the one that you're heading towards. In verse 21, he uses a phrase. He says, I'm going away. Do you know where he's going? He's going to the Father. That's the destination. Do you know the route he's going to take? The cross. He's telling them this. He's telling them. Do you know what that means? That means he knows. And if he knows, oh, I'm getting chills. That means he chose. He chose to take the route of the cross. Why? Because he's not of this world. Because he pursues God's will exclusively. Friends, Jesus knew exactly where he was going. He knew exactly where he was going and he knew the route that he would take to get there. That means he was intentional. So hear me say this. The cross, it didn't happen to him. He chose it. He said, no one takes my life from me. I willingly, there's that word will, I willingly lay it down. He chose it didn't happen to him. Do you know what that means? This is the most important, if you, don't, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, do you know what it means that he chose it, that it was intentional? It means he really loves you. Like crazy loves you. It means that God's will that he was obeying, right? It means that God's will is for your good. 100 times out of 100. It means he cares deeply about your needs. It means that you really matter a lot. Not just the person sitting next to you. 
you. Friends, Jesus is not of this world, which means Jesus is the only true Savior that can rescue you and I from the destination of death and deliver you home to the Father where you belong. Man, I hope you know how loved you are this morning. I hope you know how much you matter, how valuable you are to him. If you do, it will transform your life every day, every morning. You'll be less and less tempted to look to the false savior that reinforces your way and you will just feel the overwhelming amount of gratitude for the one who's not of this world to bring you out of this world. You stand if you're able and want to pray for us. I'm going to listen for just a bit, see if there's something specific God wants to highlight, and then I'll pray, okay? like the Spirit's highlighting this idea of, this idea of uh, well-being, and that we can look for like living well through a bunch of different ways that are great. Like we, we are stewards of our bodies, we are stewards, stewards of our mind, the media we consume, all that stuff, it's like it's important, you know? Um, but I feel like God wants some people this morning to know that well-being ultimately is with Him, it's found in Him, that you can... You can pursue well-being in other places, which isn't necessarily bad, but if you don't, if you're not with him, you can't fully be well. I also feel like there's <laughs> I feel like there's some of us in the room who need to get off the train. Like realize your situation and it's time to call out for help. It looks like calling out to God, but it also looks like calling out to God's hands and God's feet. That's his people, where we, where we experience God more often than not. Like the, the, the specific route that you're on is really, it's heading towards a dangerous destination. And it might be, it might not be tomorrow, it might be like a year from now or two years from now, but you but your, your route is, is pointed in that direction. And God in his love and his grace, once you get off the train, call out for help and be delivered. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd lead us this morning. That we wouldn't be men and women who just uh, kind of go through the motions. Would you lead us in experiencing your grace? crazy how much you love us. It's like insane, Lord. Would you help us to receive that this morning? The reality that the cross of Jesus is for me is the most life-changing message in all of the universe. 
best news in the world, something that we could never do ourselves, you accomplished for us. And it's proof that you love us, even though we mess up. You love us, love us even when we make poor choices. And your love and grace is available to us to change us, to transform our desires. So would you minister to us now for the next little bit, Lord? this intentional time that every person in this room is set aside. I pray, I pray against distractions. I pray that cell phones would stay in pockets or purses and our hearts and our minds would be fixed on you. Help us to receive from you right now. Help us to actually engage with you personally and corporately right now. And I love you, Jesus. Thank you for rescuing me and delivering me and saving me. I bless you, God. In your holy and beautiful name I pray.